Oh, good morning, everybody. How are we? We all okay? Yeah? Nice, quiet voices. Um, just take a moment to just turn to everybody and give them a little wave. Give yourselves a little wiggle. Make sure that we're ready. <laughs> well, good morning to everybody here in church. Good morning to people in the side room. Good morning to those of you at home who are listening now. And of course, hello to those of you who are maybe watching later on in the week. So let me just introduce myself for those of you that don't know me. My name is Sam. I'm married to Sarah. I am I am the lesser half of the amazing Rochel marriage. Um, we've got our four wonderful children, uh, and we've been coming to Lynn Baptist since 2017, although Sarah did grow up in this church. I do think it's really important before I begin to explain to you that actually this is really outside of my comfort zone. Not necessarily the speaking up front. I'm very happy doing that, but... Normally, I'm in front of a classroom of five and six-year-olds, and I'm used to a little bit more give and take. I'm used to a bit of heckling, a bit of shouting out, maybe the odd throwing of an object. So this very well-behaved room of people sat with masks is quite unnerving, thank you, Will, is quite unnerving for me. <laughs> um, yeah, so the other strange thing for me is that I have actually written down most of what I'm going to say today, or plans what I'm going to say. That, again, is very unusual for me. So I'm going to try my best to stick to what I feel God has, has brought to me this morning, but of course, I may well wander off. So if you just wander with me, then we'll have a great morning together, okay? All right. So I also have to confess something else to you, which is that any time in my life when I've really felt God wants me to share something with other people, it, I always have this awkward moment where I very quickly realize, actually, God is speaking directly to me. And actually, I'm not this figure of wisdom who is stood imparting something wonderful to the masses. Actually, what's happening is God is speaking to me and challenging me just in a very public way so that I have to do what it is that I've been talking about. So I definitely feel today that God is speaking to me, that he's prompting me. And so please know that I, today, am learning with you, exploring with you. And I'm just hoping that in being honest and creating a space where we can talk, we might all develop and grow together. So can I just pray for us as we start? Well, Lord God, I'm just so thankful to be here today and thankful to be a part of this church and just as I was waiting to come up here, God, I just looked out and saw the rain pouring down and thought, I've got a choice here. I either see this as a negative, or oh, it's raining, or as a blessing. And I'm reminded, God, that we want to be a church that flows out, that the water of life will flow out from this place into Lim, into the wider area. And so, God, I just ask that today, as we share this time with you, that we would do just that. We would share your word and your life and your spirit in this place. So be with us now, be with me now, and let anything that is of me fall away, and everything of you come to the fore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's be brutally honest then. If I was to ask you for a piece of scripture that really stands out in your mind, that you've lived your life by, that you've based your life on, maybe that you've put in a lovely frame in your house on the wall, 2 Samuel chapter 2 is probably not going to be in your top 10. I might be wrong, forgive me if I am wrong. But actually, if we were to read the entirety of the chapter, it is a chapter that is filled with blood, political manoeuvres, and uncertainty for God's chosen people in Israel. 
Yet, as I mentioned a moment ago, I have found myself profoundly challenged by what happens in this chapter, specifically by how David responds to God at the very beginning and the application of his heart for myself as a believer and for us as a church and followers of Christ. I'm just going to check this works. So there on the screen, we've got a uh, a picture of the statue of David. And Chris gave us a great overview last week of the importance of David. A reminder for us that this hero of scripture was an ancestor of Jesus, king over Israel's most prosperous time in history. And yet he began his life as an unsuspecting boy in obscurity. Now, I'm from a big family myself. I'm one of six children. There's five boys, one girl, and I'm number five, so I am well down the pecking order. So I like to think I'm a little bit like David in that respect. Not the strongest of body, maybe not the best looking, maybe not the brightest, but God saw in David the heart of a leader, the potential of a great king, and the character to be the greatest king of Israel. And so it was David who, as a boy, was anointed king of Israel by Samuel. And it's a moment which sets in motion that meteoric rise of this obscure boy into greatness. And as that oil is poured over him, the oil of anointing, his life is forever changed in that moment. He would go on to slay Goliath, befriend Jonathan, the son of the king. He would lead mighty armies into battle and be worthy of the praise of the people of Israel. And so when we begin our passage today, David has just heard the news that King Saul and his son Jonathan, David's special friend, have both been killed. And in the previous chapter, we would have read of the sorrow and lament of David as he hears the news. And yet, I can't help but wonder if in that moment, David's mind moved back to that day when the oil was poured over him as a boy. And he perhaps thought to himself, is this it? Is this the time they were talking about? Is this the moment when I finally take up the mantle of what God offered when I was young? That must have been a really frightening and exhilarating experience and expectation that in his future, he would be the king of God's people, the king of Israel. So did he feel in that moment that this was it, that his time had finally come? I'm just going to sidestep a little bit from David just for a moment. There we go. Just sidestep for a moment and just think about that notion of having an expectation of what he would become as an adult. And I want you to consider for yourself, when you were a child, what was your expectation for your life? What did you want to be? What career did you want to follow? How did you expect your life to pan out? Well, As a teacher of year one, I decided I would test this on my class this week. So I asked them to draw for me a picture of who they wanted to become, what it was they were expecting in their life. And these are a few of the fantastic offerings that we got. So this is one boy wants to be a scientist, an orange scientist by the looks of it. I was glad to see this one. I've obviously not ruined their lives so much that they don't want to be a teacher. But a few of the children said, teacher, look, there they are at the front. You see they're socially distanced as well in their classroom. Very good. What else we got? A cheerleader. Why not? And I I did say to this young lady, why do you want to be a cheerleader? And she said, because I like to cheer. And I thought, well, reason enough to plan your future. Why not? Um, A firefighter, a very angry looking firefighter. 
Somebody obviously left the toaster on. Okay, so he's angry. But look, saving lives there as a firefighter, a doctor. And this boy's written underneath, because I can help all of the people. Isn't that lovely? Especially after the year we've been through. A hairdresser. Now, this hairdresser looks like she's attacking somebody and dragging them through the streets. But I am led to believe she is, in fact, washing their hair. But hairdresser, and again, I said, why? You might be able to read at the bottom there. Year one teachers, you'll be able to to read this. Because I love hair. Because I love hair. Fantastic. So what about you? What did you want to be? Just have a think for yourself. When you were a child, did you have a notion of who it was you were going to be? Perhaps what you are doing now with your life is exactly what you wanted. Perhaps not so much. I'm actually taken back to a time, quite an awkward moment really. My mum feels very embarrassed by this moment whenever we talk about it. But my eldest brother, oh, he's, he's a very senior army officer, a very important, uh, I don't salute him, but he is very important apparently. Um, but I remember as a young boy, I was at his passing out parade from a prestigious military academy. And afterwards, we had the inevitable British finger buffet and all the military brass are walking around with their medals and making small talk. You know, these very important men directing men into battle. And one of them walks up to me, chest out, and he says to me, Well, young man, are you going to be like your brother? Do us proud, become an officer in the British Army? And, uh, And I looked at him unflinchingly and said, No, I'm going to be a zookeeper. And this... (laughs) This man, this mortified, I imagine he was a general or something, this mortified man looked a bit beetroot in the face and stormed off. Uh, I can't quite remember what he looked like. I envisage, you know, Stephen Fry from Blackadder Goes Forth, that kind of, you know, big moustache. But yeah, this mortifying moment when I confessed that no, I was not going to do great things for our country. I was going to look after leopards and lions. So the conversation ended there. And the reality is that few of us do become who we thought we would be as children. Children do have this wonderful mindset of thinking, actually, that's what I'm going to be, so it's going to happen. But of course, we know that life does not always work out like that. But if you're like me, we don't ever seem to lose that part of ourselves that is always looking forward. Always looking ahead. One foot always in the future. One thought, always about the next opportunity to progress at work. One click away from purchasing the next object, car or home or holiday. One portion of our being eternally consumed with the thought that better days are yet to come. That sense that one day we will sit back and declare with certainty, I've made it. My life is complete. I've achieved all my objectives and my life is fulfilled. And maybe that is just me. Maybe you're thinking, no, I'm quite happy in the moment. But I'm always looking ahead, always thinking of the next thing. Well, let's return to David for a moment. In chapter 2, King Saul has been killed. Jonathan, his son, also killed. And suddenly, David turns to God. He turns to God and he says, where should I go? What should I do? And when he asks God, he's told that he should go to Hebron in Judah. Now, I've got a map there on the screen. The green and the red together shows, kind of encapsulates the whole of the the kingdom of Israel at that time. The red portion in the south there represents the tribe of Judah, the lands of Judah. And that's where David is sent. And upon arriving in Judah, David is at last crowned king. But the king 
of Judah, not king of Israel. He's given a part of the whole. He's given a portion of the expected inheritance that he was told about when he was a young boy. So I wonder, as I probably would have if I was David, did David think in that moment, hang on God, no way. I have been through war zones. I've been the victim of my own king. I fought and bled. I've run away and hid. I've returned. I've lived a life of service. And now is this it? King of Judah. Is that all I get? Where is my palace in Jerusalem? Where are the chanting crowds heralding me as I arrive in Jerusalem? Where are the chieftains of Israel paying homage to me as their king? So I do feel a bit frustrated for David. His life is turned upside down. He's given this future that he's been told about. And actually, he's just been given a slice of the pie. He's only been given a little bit of what he expected. Kind of like someone waiting for that promotion in work that they know is theirs by right. And then they're given a lesser post. Like being in a restaurant and ordering lobster and getting crab instead. You know, like running for public office and coming second in the polls. That disappointment, I should have been, that could have been me. I want to be president and I'm vice president. Oh, no one wants that job. You know, that sense of becoming second and not quite making it. And yet, putting me in my place, David's heart does not flicker. He doesn't betray any sense there of disappointment. He returns to God. He places the next step into God's hands. He trusts that the promise and anointing is still to come, But for now, he has a job to do. His job is to rule Judah, which he will faithfully do, wait for it, for seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. And this is where I start to squirm. David allowed himself to be used by God in those seven and a half long years. But seven and a half years that I know I would have whinged and grumbled and been like looking at my watch thinking, come on God, when am I going to be king of Israel? Get it moving. Because it didn't feel like it was everything that he had ever expected. You see, here's the truth. And this is where I talk about me for a moment. I am very impatient. Very impatient. Ask Sarah, she'll tell you. I am blinded by my own desire to become who I'm meant to be. And I want that to happen now. My eyes have been fixed in the future for so long that I've neglected to see how God can use me now. I have wasted, and I'm I'm being honest with you now, I have wasted literal years of ministry opportunities because I have constructed in my head the perfect time and place and position where God can and will use me. And I hope you know it's no reflection of this wonderful church and you wonderful people, but this is never where I wanted to be. I never intended to be here in Lim. This was not in the plan. The plan. I was coming to Lynn for one year only, and then I was returning to the Isle of Man. And yet God had different things in store. And in a few short weeks, Sarah and I will have been here for four years. And sadly, for me, it's been four years of saying, when we move on, and once we're in our forever home, and when this opportunity arises, I've wasted four years of my life looking ahead. And for that, I am so sorry Because in all honesty, I feel like I have failed. I feel like I failed to let God use me in the way that he wanted here. I've been looking so far beyond the here and now that I've become like a useful tool that gets put in a top drawer and closed and never used. 
So I am sorry, and I hope you can forgive me. And I'm sorry for misinterpreting scriptures such as, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, foolishly forgetting that each day I wake up and draw breath, that is a part of God's plan for my life. Far too many of those days in recent years have been lost and wasted. Now, I'm not intending to paint myself in the worst light possible. You know, this isn't me whipping myself in public and and trying to, um, you know, do a public confessional. But I do think it's important to highlight that I have wasted time. And it was led by a belief that I was being true to God by living years ahead of where I was. I was faithfully believing and looking ahead for the plans that he has revealed to Sarah and I. I've been looking ahead to be king of Israel and failing in my duties as king of Judah. I've not been in the place I am now serving in the way that I should because I'm too busy looking for the glory that lies at the end. So much time imagining how well life will take us moving forward that I fail to consider, why has God put me in limb? Why has God put me in the very specific school that I'm in with the very specific challenges that are faced by the families and children that I work with? Why has God put me in this local community at this crazy time in our nation's history? Could it be that he had something for me to do now? And I wonder if anyone listening to me today can relate to what I'm saying. You don't have to declare this as publicly as I'm doing. But maybe, have you spent so long dreaming of the what next or the perfect plans that your time in the moment has been less than effective for the kingdom of God? And I wonder as well, are some of you having the opposite problem? Are some of us trying to relive former glories? Instead of focusing our eyes in the future... Are we focusing our eyes in the past? Are we chasing history like an elusive shadow, stuck in the way that things were, as opposed to the way things could be now, in the today, in the here, with the friends I have, in the community I'm in, with the church I'm at? I just wonder sometimes, have we all become victims to time? And I think, to be honest, the last year and a half has not helped with that. We've been living on a timetable set by Boris. We've been looking daily, haven't we, for news of what comes next. Where can we go? What can we do? And I just wonder if we all need a mind shift away from time controlling what happens in our lives. Have our good intentions become feeble excuses to be effective? Have we missed those golden moments to stop and sit with someone and to minister with and to them? Have we forgotten that it's the journey that we often learn more about than the destination? Had young boy David had that oil poured over his head as a young boy and immediately become king of Israel, what would he have missed in that process that would have made him the great king that he became? There wouldn't have been Goliath, perhaps. No times of great victory and inspiration. No sense of that upswell from the people of seeing what David could do and desiring to follow them, instead being given a young puppet king in place that they just had to follow. No chance for him to remain faithful in exile. Would his character be less formed and less effective for God? I really, truly think so. I do love history. I'm a student of history myself. And sometimes I love reading that, you know, those books that say, what could have happened? You know, what if Hitler had won the Second World War? What if JFK had not been assassinated? And there's all these kind of alternative histories. Well, what if David had become king without all those moments? What would our scriptures, what would our example, what would the lineage of Jesus look like without those trials and tribulations that he faced? 
And I guess in the same way, how can I expect God to use me in future if I have tried to shortcut or bypass the opportunities to learn in the journey that I'm on? These are really famous words of scripture, words that we hear quite often and that we share together in church from Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're commanded to run the race. We're not commanded to jump in a car and get to the finish line. It's the race and the running of the race that is the key part. We may never reach the destination that we think we are headed for, but we can certainly ensure that the journey and the race that we're on can be as effective and useful for God. That each step of that race is for God's glory. That each day we make a choice to serve and to love, to pray and to share, to honour and to praise. And to do so in the place and time in which we find ourselves. To minister in this moment, in this place, in this church, in this town. Both feet together, not straddled between the past and the future. Not permanently looking ahead at what's next, what's next. Not looking backwards saying, look what I was, look what I had, look what could have been. But instead saying, this is who I am, this is where I am today. This is who God's made me to be and I'm going to live and minister in that moment. So if you, like me, are feeling quite challenged and provoked by this notion of ministering in the moment, what can we practically do? Are there practical applications that we can take? Well, absolutely. And I sat with Sarah yesterday and we had quite an honest and frank chat about what it is I'm going to do to ensure that I am ministering in this moment. First off, can we be like David? Can we give this time to God? Can we be faithful and say to God, what do I do? What do you want me to do today? To make it a daily plea of God, please use me today. God, please show me today. God, I am yours today. Can we embed ourselves further into the life of our church? You know, Chris spoke earlier. I had no idea what he was going to say, but he talked about being on the team, being a part of the team. Can we embed ourselves further in the life of our church Can we find a small group so that we have a a safe space where brothers and sisters in Christ can walk with us and stand for us and show us the way? Can we serve in practical ways? Can we plug the gaps in half-filled rotors? Can we intentionally invite friends and families along to our church? Can we offer our unique skill set to our church and say, this is all I have, this is who I am, use me, show me, make use of me today? Can we pray not just about the next step, but also about the here and the now for the life and service of God's people in this place at this time? Can we embody scripture and be the hands and feet to the broken, the hurting, the lost, the apathetic, the unloved, and even the, I don't need your God thanks very much. Those people, can we do that? One of the great joys of living in Lim is that it is Lim. It's a beautiful, wonderful place. I used to live on the Isle of Man, a beautiful, wonderful place. But the sad reality is that beautiful, wonderful places often mask over what lies underneath. They are, they are places that people can put on a, a show of, I'm okay, thanks, and I've got everything I need. But there are still people who are hurting and broken here. What can we do? What can I do to support and love those people? Can we stand united as one church in this place? 
Can we be arm in arm with all the churches in Lim, Lim together across the nation and across the globe as well as we seek God's purposes? I am committing today in front of the church online that I am willing to be more than I have been. And I'm not going to get stuck in the past as I've been talking about. So I'm now going to forget the failures I have made over the last four years. And instead, I'm going to start from today to be more than I have been. And if today that's you, then I urge you to join me. Reach out. Find someone to pray and chat with. And together, let's stand and, uh, and minister in this moment. And be assured that it is God alone who commands the past and the future. He doesn't need us to worry about those. He needs us to worry about the present and this moment and what we can do. So if you want to just join me, I'm going to just pray for us as we finish. And then I'll hand back over. Father, I'm really challenged today and feel humbled by what it is that you're saying to us here. That it is our lives on this day, in this moment, that matter. That the commands of scripture, the example of Jesus, was to live each day, to serve and to love each day. Thank you for the example of David. That even when he did not get handed what he had expected, he was faithful with what he'd been given. He was willing to follow your voice and to wait those seven and a half long years until he fulfilled the promise you'd given. Lord God, I open my arms to you today in acknowledgement of my failings. I ask your forgiveness. But I ask that you'd help me to move beyond that and that you'd ask me to step into today with hope and with the knowledge that I can and will do something for your kingdom on this day, on Sunday the 4th of July 2021. That I will pray, that I will reach out, that I will honour you, that I will praise you on this day. And God, I commit to be in this place as long as you want me to be here. To be in this church family, along these amazing people, serving you, blessing this town. I just ask that your word would rest heavy on our hearts today and that we would be challenged as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much for listening to my ramblings this morning.